Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. I'm really excited to introduce my guest. We've got Ginny Clark on the show today. Hi, Ginny. Hey, how are you, Bant? Nice to be with you. Uh, It's great to be with you as well and great to talk to you about, uh, I'd say, probably one of the biggest challenges and and topics for companies. Uh, Ginny is an expert on talent management. Uh, She works with search firms and technology companies on all things talent. And we'll talk uh, uh, about all of the things that she's doing to support businesses and organizations, uh, structure the right leadership talent going forward. Uh, but before we get into Ginny Clark, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background. Happy to. I'll try to keep it relatively brief. I have a lot of years behind me and I want to believe a lot in front of me. Um Real quickly, grew up in Southern California, wanted to be a veterinarian, so I went to UC Davis, graduated with a degree in French linguistics because the animal thing really wasn't vibing for me. I worked as a college recruiter for a couple of years and then hightailed it to Chicago to go to a place that you know well, uh, Northwestern University, the Kellogg School. Came out, went into banking. This is the 80s. Banking, commercial real estate for a number of years. And then I had a defining moment. My, my father passed away. And I was in my uh, early 30s, I guess, by then. And I, it forced me to really question what it was that I was doing. And I thought back to things that I had always done, being a recruiter, going on campus to recruit when I was working for these other companies, not as a recruiter. And I thought, well, what would it be like to be a professional executive recruiter? And I set a path to do that. I was always an effective networker. And I joined one of the world's largest executive search firms, Spencer Stewart, and was there for 12 years became a partner, co-founded Leather Global Diversity Practice. Um, and then I left somewhat abruptly. I was married, had a child and divorced in that amount of time as well. Um, and I decided that I wanted to write a book. It was something that I'd been thinking about for many years. And I wrote a book called Career Mapping and was all about what I learned as an executive recruiter for the benefit of the individual on how they need to think differently about their career and their job searches. Um, did my own thing, consulted, did a lot of um, speaking and what have you for a few years, and then went back to another firm and then got a call from Google to come help them with their executive recruiting efforts around diversity and internal mobility and executive recruiting. So, yeah, and I was there. Wow. I mean, just left. (laughs) You've seen the topic of executive recruitment and talent from really every angle. I mean, Spencer Stewart is obviously a top firm and then working with Google, which I think probably people, whether Google's always gotten it right, obviously is is a debate when you're such a big company. It's always a challenge. But I mean, certainly Google's at the forefront of talent management. And so what, what a great, great way to build up your knowledge base and your experience. And now and now you're doing Ginny Clark. So tell us about, about the business. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to take everything I learned in all of those years, 30 plus years uh, of work experience. And, and I don't leave anything on the table. I'm one of those lifelong learners. So the stuff that I learned when I was coming out of grad school in, in financial services, 
is as useful as everything else that I've done more recently. I'm, I'm a sort of an integrated systems thinker. And so the work that I'm offering um, clients these days is around leadership broadly, because to me, that's at the core of all these other talent management practices. You know, we talk in terms of organizations and companies and cultures. Well, but those are made up of what people and leaders are the ones who are setting the tone. And so some of the things that I've seen in my career tell me that a lot of these leaders aren't necessarily as, dare I say, healthy and self-aware as they probably need to be. I think COVID has done a number uh, on getting people to reflect on their own belief systems, their own sense of self. Because think about it, and I'm sure you know many people have had not so great bosses and leaders in the past, managers that they've worked for. That sets a really negative tone. So the more we can do to support and train and develop strong leaders, the better all these organizations are going to be. And so that's really kind of at the heart of what I'm offering, in addition to process stuff around executive recruiting, talent acquisition, uh, internal mobility programs, that kind of stuff as well. So that's that's what I'm up to these days. And I have a podcast as well. So I mean, that's amazing. And I, I, I think that it's, it's a, what a great moment to be tackling those issues because, uh, you know, just from, from my own personal experiences, as well as working with a variety of our clients, the, the, the needs of leaders are dramatically different now than they were maybe 10 years ago or the expectations of leaders, I should say. And right. uh, yeah, so tell me a little bit about how that's been shifting. Well, and I would say that it's changed in the last 18 months, even right, with, with COVID. Um, and then Wall Street Journal came out today saying that a lot of people are not going back into the workforce, right? Or they're changing jobs. They're leaving roles that they had. Um, and so I think there's there's been this whole shift in the way workers think about what they're doing, which I think is really, really rich. Um, and I think it's forcing leaders to maybe take a deeper look into what talent is and that people are not commodities and that they need to tap in and really seek to optimize the unique capabilities of each individual. Now, if you're managing a thousand people, that sounds impossible and ridiculous, but you set the tone for the leaders that you have, your direct reports, you have expectations and you hold them accountable for making sure that they too are optimizing. To me, the name of my old company when I was doing consulting was Talent Optimization Partners, because my thought was, as an individual, as a worker, I want to be optimized. I want to be seen for what my skills are, and I want to be able to develop them further. The organization should be seeking to get as much out of me as they rightfully, respectfully can for the benefit of the organization. So when that really happens, and I would argue that it doesn't most of the time, but when it does, you're unlocking real money, real money. It's it's cash to an organization. And so I, that's my belief. And that's, you know, I kind of have a self-selection process with my clients. If they can get on board with that mindset, then we can work together. If they don't necessarily appreciate and understand how that it's not even a nuance, it's a fact and how that really works. Maybe I'm not the right kind of consultant for them. So, yeah, that's the that's kind of my take on where leadership needs to be now in this time where we're coming out of something and doing a really hard look at, at ourselves as individuals and at the, the composition inside of organizations and how they need to operate. 
Yeah, it's I've noticed it's it's a it's really kind of like a dividing point for leaders right now because um, and I, I feel strangely enough in the last couple of weeks that divide is becoming more clear where we're seeing some leaders that are desperately romanticizing what life was like before COVID and trying yeah. to somehow get people back into this old frame of thinking. I'm seeing a ton of event companies, obviously, because it's core to their business to romanticize the trade show. I don't know why anyone would want to go back to a trade show, but I guess people want to go back to a trade show. And, yeah. and, 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 yet the, and then there's the others that are really trying to embrace, uh, I'd say, some of the learnings um, uh, that we've seen during, during the last year and a half so, so, so that we actually can, can, can kind of be more progressive in, in, in how we manage and how we, we, we look at teams. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, one thing that we're doing as a company is that we're, we're actually investing a lot more in things like culture, um, in, in training, uh, because we're a, essentially working as a um, kind of a remote company now. Uh, and I just be curious, is that a, is that a trend that you're seeing across the board? Yeah, I think people are trying to figure out where to invest, but I think the culture piece is one where people are trying to figure out, well, how do I establish a culture, um, when we're all remote when we don't necessarily see each other. And there's this other dynamic of not sort of ranking people by virtue of their presence and the frequency of their presence in the office. You know, the last thing we need is to create a another hierarchy based on on physical proximity or presence. Um, and so I think people do, leaders especially, they're the ones who are going to set the tone. And, and so if they're showing up every day, then a lot of people are going to feel like they're compelled to show up every day. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But they need to be mindful of how they're incentivizing people to really do that and to bring together and to honor the different choices that people are making. And, and that can be hard to do when, when those leaders might have real preferences for certain conditions, not so much the people in their contribution, but you know their comfort level with what the situation is in terms of working remotely versus in person. So it's it, it so, remains to be big open question. On yeah, I, I I um I'm hopeful. I I'm going to remain an optimist that we're going to learn from what's happened in this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Although I am there's a there's a a vein of fear that I have now, which is people seem to be quickly quickly being kind of almost pushed back into kind of the old ways of doing things, and I I hope that doesn't happen. I hope we learn. I hope we move forward. I, I'm committed to to pushing forward into a better way of working, a better way of living for sure. But let's change gears slightly. Uh, so you've done some amazing work in the DEI space, you know, and I, I would love to get your take on on what's happening now. Uh, you know, last year was, I would say, uh, a, a, an unprecedented year because of COVID, but also because of the, the social discussions that we were having uh, across the U.S. Uh, and the world, but mostly in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. around some of the diversity and inclusion issues. And, and so are you, are, you, are you optimistic? Are we headed in the right direction? What, what's the latest? I'm optimistic as a society that we've been awakened. I'm not as optimistic 
when I look inside of some of these organizations because I fear that the discussion is being kind of handed off to a lot of the DEI team. And this is a leadership issue. Um, as they say, fish drops from the head. And so to the extent that the senior leaders are not really understanding what this is, and um, then we're, we're missing something. You know, it's not about, oh, I'm going to go hire a chief diversity officer. Um, or I, I talked to a company where they had brought this young woman onto their team as a diversity manager. And prior to that role, she'd been an administrative assistant, but she was black. And I just kind of went, what you're doing? It's like, no, you know, don't, don't just, that's, it's wrong on so many levels. Are you setting her up for success? Do you even know what the expectation should be of this role? So I'm not necessarily encouraged by the way a lot of companies and leaders are behaving. I think there's some, some real sincere individuals who don't quite know what to do. And that's fine. I'm happy for those that are really honest with themselves and say, I don't know what to do. I got time for that. But it's the ones who are saying, we're going to fix it. We're going to hire these consultants and they'll fix it and everything will be fine. We're going to do unconscious bias training and boom, everything will change. Because what I know to be true, based on all my years of working inside of these organizations, both as an executive recruiter inside and as an agent and building internal mobility and other people programs, um, you're not going to get the outcomes that you're looking for unless you have the right accountability that you really are helping people understand how are you assessing talent. And if you're hiring your friends, if you're hiring purely on the basis of what a resume says, guess what? You're not necessarily getting the best talent. You should be hiring on the basis of competency. And until people really learn what that looks like, you're not going to end up with the best talent and you're not going to have the diversity that you seek from a representation standpoint. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I I certainly saw that. Uh, I I would say even you know over the last decade, where larger companies would hire chief diversity officers, and um, and and you know you'd sit with the CEO and they would say, oh yeah, well, yeah, well we have a chief diversity officer, and and that was the solution. That was that was the <laughs> you'd sit there like no 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 you're not understanding like. That's, that's like maybe the, the first half step. Like now we have to, you know, dedicate resources here and map out goals and restructure the operation. And that's that's I'm hoping that that is happening more and more. But uh, I, I hear you. I, I, I worry that there's a little bit of check boxes going on here. Well, uh, I do too, but let me say this, Dan. Yeah. Look, not unlike the other issue that we were just talking about in terms of returning to work, I think employees and prospective employees can vote with their feet, right? So both as it relates to, look, I'm not going to go to a company that's not going to allow me to work from home or have some options versus, you know, relative to uh, working remotely. Similarly, I won't necessarily work for a company unless I see that there are leaders who look like me. And thus I know that there are policies and practices that I, I know that I could feel supportive as someone who is coming from a, a place of difference. Yeah, uh, definitely. And the idea of like employee power and, and really kind yeah. of using that is something that um, I, I think also with the economy improving that we'll see more of that hopefully being exerted, uh, which, is, yeah. which is great. 
But uh, tell me a little bit, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, the last year for you and your business in, in terms of the, the pandemic. Uh, I feel like it was a bit of a watershed year for a lot of businesses, um, a lot of challenges, but uh, personal and professional. And just, just uh, be, be curious to hear what, how your story unfolded. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was mixed. I left Google in November of 2020, so I still feel like I'm just coming off of the decompression of having been in that corporate environment, setting up my business, getting out, you know, really doing the the business development and getting some clients. Um, and so, in that sense, it it has been watershed for me because I had to do a lot of introspection. I mean, when the pandemic hit, I was managing 30 something people and three different teams doing different things, right? Um, and really having to be there and, and tech constantly challenging myself, how do I need to be here for each one of these employees who has a different need? Whether it's that, that Gen Zer who lives alone in a studio in New York and is feeling really, really isolated, or that you know, um, Gen Y mother, new mom, um, who's who's trying to get back into the saddle from a remote workforce and she's having to pump milk on the side. You know, I mean, there's all these dynamics that as a leader, I wanted to be aware of because these things were unprecedented. So it was a lot of, hey, what do you need? How can I be here for you? Um, and take the time. Google was very generous with giving time to people for whatever it was that they needed, caring for children, parents, whatever. Um so that part of my of my year was interesting and challenging, but also gratifying because um, I'm I'm one of those people who focuses more on who I am than what I do, right? Um, what I believe and who I am is going to dictate what my behaviors are and what my intended outcome is going to be. So I think I need to be whole and clear as a person before I put my leadership work title hat on and try to make stuff happen. Um, so yeah, it was a mixed year, a, a big transitional year for me that was Yeah, I mean, I think I I think the reality is that the Google role, what tremendous challenges there and then starting a new business. I mean, <laughs> tell me how that was was, you know, you, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing to say where you say, "Yeah, I am starting a new business." <laughs> In the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Um, you know? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so, you know, is this the first time you've um, kind of joined the entrepreneurial ranks? How, how, how is that? No, no I'd done it once before in uh, when I left Spencer Stewart 2009 to 2013. So I was on my own for about four years. Some of the first part of that year, I was really getting the book written and then published. Um, and then I did some consulting, a little bit of executive recruiting on the side and a lot of speaking and training stuff. Um, this time I have a, a much more focused uh, set of services that I wanna offer um, and I'm different, you know? I mean, the, the Google experience was rich. It's taught me a lot. It's a nice, uh, you know, sort of banner to be able to, to wave. Um, and so I'm, I'm much more intentional and really wanna focus on leadership issues because that to me is what I see is so essential right now in building up the capabilities of leaders. And I saw so many of them being at Google. I helped recruit many of the senior ones. Um, and I and was involved in helping others find new roles inside the company. So leadership is, for me, the the, the name of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting one. I, 
Um, I used my, my joke when I started my business was, uh, I think, uh, I, I, I went to a presentation by one of the founders of Google and he was talking about talent and the importance of talent for the organization and how they recruited talent. And, you know, at the, if you, you remember, I think it's, it's evolved now, but before, yeah, if you couldn't uh-huh. like it, you had to, you had, you know, they would only even look at the top, you know, the top percent of graduates from every school. And, um, and, and I, and I remember walking out of there going like, man, I wish I could recruit like Google, <laughs> but I, I can't, I can't afford those people. Like I can't, you know, those are yeah. there for, 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 there's a, there's an interesting discussion I think to, to have, which is, um, when you kind of bring on talent, um, I, I, the bet I made as a, as a startup guy was I bet on, I truly bet on talent. Not complete people, but people who I felt had potential, you know. That's right. And and I think I felt like Google d- didn't have to make that compromise. They 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 basically could get really good people, the best. Well, people. here's here's what I would say, and and this is my world, right? So the best schools and even the best grades from the best schools means that you know how to study. It means that you're probably pretty smart. But being smart and being competent in the role for which you've been selected can be two different things. And I especially saw that um, recruiting for the very senior leadership ranks. We were recruiting on the behalf of the CFO and the general counsel and all of those top folks. We were getting their directors and VPs. And so you can't fall victim to that pedigree trap of, of saying, oh, well, look at where this person's worked and look at all the jobs because I've seen it way too often. Oh those yeah, people, no. I, they've yeah. got a great pedigree, but those competencies really have not. Um, they, you know, they've ridden that wave of expectation, and the competencies haven't been fully developed. And they're they're not necessarily the best talent versus someone who went to San Jose State and has a whole lot more motivation to do really really well, even though they didn't go to Stanford, right? I agree completely. Uh, yeah. You know, looking at that full range of talents and experiences and things that they've put themselves, you know, the person has put themselves um, uh, into or, or challenged themselves with. I, I remember that uh, when I was part of a much larger organization, uh, I would say some of the most successful people we brought into the company were failed entrepreneurs. Yeah. And, and, and it was and, and the reason why is that. As an entrepreneur, you you have to make so many decisions uh, and and kind of think on the fly, and it just it 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 shows a level of nimble thinking that right. is so useful in in leadership roles, right? So, yeah. One of the competencies that I think is important that we assessed for at Google was the comfort with ambiguity, right? If someone throws something at you. What are you going to do? How do you process? How do you problem solve? Those are those are really important things. And that's not a yes, no question. Right. And it can be very subjective in, in the assessment of it. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, so so as you look forward, Ginny, uh, what are you what are you excited about over the next year or two years? I mean, what are going to be the big trends that we see in the in the talent space and the leadership space? Yeah, I think. Um, well, one of the things that I've noticed, uh, you've seen several African-American in particular CEOs 
who were named in the last six, nine months. Uh, Walgreens, uh, Boots Alliance, TIA, Craft. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing a lot more African-Americans getting on corporate boards. It's true also for Hispanics, other underrepresented folks, women. Um, so I think that is happening. Uh, I, I hope it's not a, a me too and that people are indeed being thoughtful and that these roles last and these folks who go into these roles are supported. That's the responsibility of the board and the rest of the leadership teams. I also think at the more junior levels, um, as we talked about with the work from home, we're going to see a lot more people really making more conscious choices about what their careers can look like. And that gives me such great joy because we didn't come here to suffer. And so many people are suffering silently, um, you know, doing what their parents told them to do, get the degree, get the good job, stay there until you vest, until, until, until. And that's like a slow death as far as I'm concerned. So I'm I'm really optimistic that as people really take more responsibility and have that agency and ownership for what they can do, that we're going to see whether it's a gig or a full-time job at, at an organization, it's going to be more on their terms. And that's how it needs to be. And that's to the benefit of the organization if they know how to discern and compensate and incentivize people in the right way to retain their top talent, whether they're a part-time employee, a vendor, um, or a full-time employee. So I, I think there's going to be an evening out and a recalibration of, you know, sort of balance of power, if you will, between organizations and individuals. I, I, I am so excited about that. I think it's uh, such an exciting moment. I, I think about all of those kind of office-led cultures that uh, I grew up with uh, and uh, saw in my career. And then really, I would say the heavy, heavily digitally-led cultures that we've seen yeah. over the last couple of years, certainly during the pandemic. And I love this idea of almost like a U-led culture where the, yes. the, the talent kind of will dictate. I love it. And, and I absolutely agree with it. I support it. We're, we're actively supporting that in our, our own organization. And um, uh, it's, it's an exciting moment for sure. Ginny, it's been amazing to have you on Uncaged today. Uh, you know, we've been talking to Ginny Clark and she's been telling us about her business, her career, uh, really all of the advice that she's providing for leaders as they manage this unprecedented moment of change, uh, whether it's the evolution of the organization and the operation and how it's structured, whether it's some of these diversity issues that we're seeing that are evolving organizations and how those organizations are embracing that change or perhaps not embracing it and how can that be jump-started. And, and, and so Ginny, uh, and the her organization, Ginny Clark, are are playing a big role. So I'm very excited about what you're working on, on Ginny. We 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 need this. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Uncaged today to tell us what you're working on. If someone wanted to reach you, where where should they find you? JinnyClark.com. G-I-N-N-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E.com. There I am. Awesome. Well, we've been speaking to Ginny Clark on Uncaged. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the commerce of tomorrow. Thank you so much, Ginny, and I look forward to hearing back on how things are evolving in the talent space.
Bam, thanks so much. Thanks for all you do. Love Canary and uh, really grateful to have been spending time with you today. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Cheers. Yeah. Take care.